Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Monday, August 17th, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 192nd episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. Alright, to kick off the show today, over the weekend, the Blackhawks played a pair of playoff games against the number one seed, Vegas Golden Knights, starting now with Game 3 on Saturday night, a devastating loss for the Blackhawks to fall behind 3 to nothing. <laughs> Never a good start, and certainly not where we envisioned the series going after the way the Hawks handled their business in the first round against the Edmonton Oilers. But yes, 3 to nothing to the Vegas Golden Knights. A tough 2-1 to loss, and one where simple mistakes really killed the Hawks again as both Vegas goals came from mishaps from Hawks defensemen. The first one was on Duncan Keith. Uh, on William Carlson's shorthanded goal to open up the scoring in the first period. Keith flubs the puck at his own blue line, and then Mark Stone makes an easy outlet pass to Carlson, who then just roofs a backhand shot past Crawford's blocker. At first, I was a little upset originally at Crow for this goal, but the more I watched the replay, the more that I think this was just a ridiculous shot by Carlson. And also, based on Crawford's play throughout the rest of the contest, he certainly did his part to keep the Hawks in it. Uh, But actually here, um, I also talked about on Friday's episode how I said Duncan Keith and Corey Crawford, those two were such a key combo for the Hawks. And in Game 2, they had a mishap early on, and here they are in Game 3 doing the same thing. And it really cost them early. Uh, But then on Vegas' second goal, where... Once again, they take a 2-0 lead for the third consecutive game. Another thing we talked about on Friday, I said coming out tied or ahead after 20 minutes would be a key to victory for the Blackhawks over the weekend. And in Game 3, they didn't do that, and that really cost them. Uh, But anyways, back to the goal. It was birthday boy Adam Boquist, who turned just 20 years old on Saturday. He made a horrible read in the neutral zone to give Vegas a a three-on-one rush in transition. Crow made the original stop, but Patrick Brown was there to jump on the rebound. He got position on Boquist and gave Vegas another multi-goal lead. Hawks just can't afford to do that. Um, Falling behind two to nothing. They haven't been able to come back from that yet in the series and take the lead and through three games they still do not have a lead in this series Uh, they also just can't catch a break on offense right now they hit two posts again one from Patrick Kane with an absolutely wide open net he somehow did not put that one home no idea Kaner makes those like 99 times out of 100, and that was just the one that didn't go in. Hits the outside of the post. Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't even close. Uh, and by the way, Marc-Andre Fleury, he did get the start in the front end of this back-to-back over the weekend, and he was tremendous. He stopped 26 of the 27 shots that he faced for the victory, and a handful of them were grade-A scoring opportunities. Uh, but the one goal he allowed came from Oli Mata, who just keeps on producing from that third defensive pairing with Slater Cuckoo in the playoffs. 
he had a shot trickle in from the left circle, kind of gave a Michael Jordan-like shrug behind the net. Wasn't sure how that one found the back of the net. Um, but good to see him continue to just keep the wheels turning on offense. Kajula and Kane with the assist there, and for Kajula, that's his first point of these playoffs, so great to see him finally getting involved offensively. Sadly, though, after Mata's goal, the Hawks were not able to solve Flurry for a second time. Time simply ran out on the Hawks. They did make a strong push down the stretch, and also, I have to mention, Corey Crawford was fantastic in the final 40 minutes to even keep this thing close and give the Hawks a chance. But overall, the early 2-0 deficit was just too much for the Hawks to overcome. And they just cannot be falling behind by multiple goals to a really sound uh, overall and defensive team like the Vegas Golden Knights. They've been really good with the lead late in these games and they held on for the win on Saturday to go ahead 3 to nothing in this series. Uh one bright side, the Hawks did finally outshoot Vegas for a uh 27 to 26 total, but it was kind of another bleak offensive performance. Uh we hit, we saw Kubalik fail to record a shot on goal, neither did Duncan Keith. Um Jonathan Taze only had one shot on that. Kane had three, which for his standards, that's kind of just okay. Uh, but one player that was very noticeable was Alex DeBrinket. He put eight shots on Marc-Andre Fleury on Saturday. That's four more than the next highest on the Blackhawks, but he just couldn't catch a break. Fleury made five or six really, really good stops on Kitty. He easily could have had two or three in this game. Uh, but instead, he doesn't wind up with any. That's just been the story for Dabrinkit throughout these playoffs. So close to making an impact in this first-round series. And that also fits the motif for the Blackhawks in this series as well. Games 2 and 3, so close to coming out with a gigantic victory. But they just couldn't score the next big goal. And in both games, Vegas did. And that's why... They're ahead 3 to nothing going into Game 4 on Sunday afternoon. And alright, coming up in just a moment, I will break down said Game 4 and talk about how the Blackhawks were able to stay alive and live to fight another day in their first round series against the Golden Knights. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. As always, I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page at JackBushman2 and my Blackhawks Twitter page at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you listen to your podcast and also on Twitter to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Alright, so I just finished recapping the Blackhawks' 2-1 loss in Game 3 to the Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday. Now, on to Game 4, the back end of the back-to-back over the weekend. And finally, the Hawks were able to come out on top. And my, oh my, what an effort by Corey Crawford in that. I can't start talking about Game 4 without mentioning Crow's 
outstanding performance. He winds up with a whopping 48 saves to lead the Blackhawks to a 3-1 victory to stay alive in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's not like uh, these saves were gimmies or anything. Crawford had to work for these, and he was tremendous all night long. He didn't really give any second chances or anything. I thought his rebound control was really good. Uh, He made multiple saves in traffic, sprawling saves left to right. You name it, he did it in Game 4. He was the first, second, and third star of the game for the Blackhawks in this one because they were absolutely dominated after grabbing a lead early in the first period. The opening 10 minutes went fine. For the first time in the series, the Hawks finally grabbed a lead. Uh, Drake Kajula scored his first goal of the playoffs, and who else but new playmaker Ole Mata to make the play happen. He jumps in on the rush in transition, uh, in transition, excuse me, and he actually gets to the puck first below the Vegas goal line and then makes a beautiful no-look pass to Kajula in the slot and bang, he makes it one nothing Blackhawks. Uh, I also need to mention that Vegas went back to Robin Leonard in net for game four. Fleury was tremendous in Game 3, but Leonard didn't really do anything in the first two games of the series to lose that starting job, so he was back in there for Game 4, and the Hawks got a bit of a cheapie in on him to make it 2 to nothing. Uh, Matthew Highmore perfectly demonstrates exactly what I've been saying all series. Pucks on net are never a bad thing. Highmore just fires a shot, in the direction of the net from below the goal line, and it somehow banks in off of Leonard's mask and into the net, and that wound up being the game-winning goal in this contest. So you never know what can happen when you put the puck in those areas. And had Highmore not shot the puck and been reluctant to make the easy play like the Blackhawks have done so many times throughout these first four games, then who knows if they're able even to come out on top of this contest. The only blemish on Crawford's night came 18 seconds after the Hawks took this 2-0 lead. Uh, Another turnover in the defensive zone led to Shea Theodore clapping a one-timer from the right point through traffic and past Crawford's blocker. Uh, It was tough to see the Hawks give up a goal immediately after scoring such a big one, and we've seen that happen a couple of times in these playoffs. They need to tighten up their play and be ready right off that next faceoff because this just can't happen anymore. Now, in the final 40 minutes of this game, Vegas put 29 shots on goal and Corey Crawford got them all. Vegas wound up with 49 shots on goal to the Hawks mere 25. They outshot them nearly by double. Um, and still the Hawks have yet to put up 30 in a game in this series, but Crawford with a vintage playoff performance to steal the game, uh, the definition of a goaltender win. And to me, it's, it's, I love to see the win, obviously don't get me wrong, but it's so tough that the Hawks couldn't have had this happen in a two to one series because they were right there in games two and three to make this thing closer than it really looks on paper. Uh, but they just they really missed out on those opportunities to do so. And yeah, it, it was a big win, but there's still a long way to go being down 3-1 to one to the number one seed out west. It would have been huge if we could have had this thing even at two apiece after four games. 
Um, Alex Dabrinkit, I have to mention that he was the guy who wound up with the empty netter, uh, and that was only fitting because for the second consecutive night, Dabrinkit brought his A game. He led the Hawks in shots on goal once again, but Leonard robbed him a couple of times just as Fleury did the night before. So just no puck luck right now for Kitty, uh, but this can hopefully just get him a little confidence, get the ball rolling a bit per se, because we need him to keep this up and have the same mentality for Game 5 on Tuesday night, which, by the way, is sadly another 9.30 p.m. start time, so it's going to be another late one for us Hawks fans in Chicago. But hey, if they can get another victory, I don't care what time they're starting at, it'll be uh, 100% worth it, but... Yeah, mark your calendars, Blackhawks fans. Game 5 between the Hawks and Knights is at 9.30 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday night. But a big, big 3-1 victory to make this a 3-1 series in Game 4. And quickly want to mention here that on Brinkin's empty net goal, you may have noticed that he took a cheap shot from Vegas forward Max Pacioretty, who was immediately fined $2,500 after the game. Kind of pocket change, but whatever. Uh, just such a dirty slash on the hip of Dabrinkit. He was clearly going to score that empty netter and seal the deal, uh, but a total clown move there by Patches. Hopefully someone goes and gives him a run early on in Game 5. Kajula probably, because... Vegas, they've been they've been playing like a bunch of little babies in the series, quite frankly, and uh, a couple of questionable hits. And hey, I don't mean to sound complainy. Don't get me wrong; like I'm all for the physical play, and I do like the refs letting the boys play a bit. A lot of people have complained on a couple of hits from William Carrier, but um, to me, you know, you let the boys play unless it's super egregious. You don't call it in the playoffs. But come on, this this is. Uh, a little ridiculous here. I feel like there's no protection of the players so far in this series. As I said, we've seen a couple of nasty hits go unpunished. Uh, it was kind of nice to see the league get involved, but that was after the fact. I, I don't know. I just think the refs have to do more on the ice to keep this kind of play after the game. But Max Pacioretty, keep your head up for the first 10 minutes of Game 5, bud. But anyways, it don't it don't matter now. On to Game 5. Uh, I really don't even want to break down this box score or the possession numbers because they were all absolutely horrendous. But one thing I do have to mention is that the Blackhawks, they did do their part to try and weather the storm from Vegas. Yes, they were dominated, but we all know that the Knights, they're, they're clearly the superior team. There's no doubt about that. And their best is simply better than our best. And I thought they gave one of their best efforts on Sunday, but... Our defense also did their best to try and prevent them from putting the puck in the back of the net. They put their bodies on the line to stay alive and recorded 32 blocks on Sunday. That is an outrageously high number for a 60-minute game. And really, it was everyone doing their part to chip in. Duncan Keith had four. Connor Murphy had four. Kelvin DeHaan led the team with five. Slater Cuckoo had two. Uh, Slater Cuckoo had three, excuse me. Uh, Adam Boquist had two, Matthew Highmore had two, Ryan Carpenter had two, Taze had two, Strom had two, DeBrinket had two. So really everyone was selling out and at least trying to give Crawford some help. They couldn't win any of the races or the 50-50 battles, but they did give up their bodies for the greater good. And hey, it, it certainly doesn't go unnoticed, boys. Great job to give it your all and keep hope alive for the Blackhawks in these Stanley Cup playoffs. Alright, now I think that takes us to our third and final segment of the episode. 
which is our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a couple of questions from you, the Locked On Blackhawks podcast listeners, right here live on the podcast. This is the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Talkin' Hockey, or you can also email the Locked On Blackhawks email, which is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or anything that has to do with the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Okay, so we just finished breaking down the Blackhawks' 3-1 victory in Game 4 to stay alive in the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. Now it's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a couple of questions from the fans right here on the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. The first question I have comes from daily listener Josh Robinson, whose Twitter handle is at JoshRobXC. Josh, thanks for always tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Much appreciated. And Josh asked, does Cat scoring the goal wake him up next game? What are your thoughts on Game 5? Well, Josh, I am certainly hopeful that the empty netter can get to Brinkett going. As I said earlier in the episode... I'm sure it's not how he wanted to score his first career Stanley Cup playoff goal, but it's in the past now. The first one's over and done with, and all he really needs to do is just keep putting himself in places to score goals. That's what he does best. He's not great along the boards or on the dumping, uh, but he's really good at finding the soft areas in the defense to create scoring opportunities. And that's what he's been doing in these last two games. He has 12 shots on goal, the most... By, uh, by any Blackhawks player in those two games. And the only one uh, that went in for him was the empty netter, sadly. But at least six or maybe seven of those 12 shots were A-plus chances. So he could easily have three or more goals in the series already. But the bounces just haven't gone his way. And that's kind of been the story all season for the former 40-goal scorer. All he can do now is continue to have that same mentality and keep firing pucks on net, and you have to think that eventually one is going to trickle in. Now, what I am really interested in uh, is to see what lines Jeremy Colleton will roll with in Game 5, because the trio of Alex DeBrinkett, Dylan Strom, and Alex Nylander was horrible possession-wise on Sunday. I don't, I just don't think that Colleton can afford to go with that line again, and I think... With DeBrinket getting all of these chances lately, he has to play with Doc and Kane right now. That line has been the best at creating chances so far in the series. And get DeBrinket a look with those two. Both of them are pass-first kind of setup guys. While DeBrinket, we know he's a shooter, so I think if Colleton can get him in a better spot in the lineup and get him some ice time with those two guys, then he has a really good chance of getting on the board for the Blackhawks in Game 5. Alright, moving on to the second question I want to answer here on the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, which came via email from Paul Sanders, who emails in a decent amount of questions. So Paul, always appreciate you listening to the show, and he emailed in late last night asking, Jack, what does it take for Sakura to get a look in this series? Nylander has been unwatchable. Why even play him at this point? Well, Paul, it 
was a pair of pretty unnoticeable outings from Nylander again over the weekend, and he is still without a point in eight playoff games now, and he only saw eight minutes and 32 seconds of ice time on Sunday and barely played at all in the final 30 minutes, so he doesn't even really have a role in the lineup right now. He's kind of just there because he's young and needs experience. But at the same time, to me, I think the Hawks are just wasting a spot on him right now. I know there are people out there who want to argue that his possession numbers are good and whatnot, but the fact of the matter is he doesn't have any points, he's a minus four, and he only has 11 shots on goal in those eight games, and he doesn't have one since game two of this series, and his ice time right now is trending in the wrong direction. So if I were Jeremy Colleton, I would really think about giving Dylan Secura a look here in game five, but knowing how the team has handled Nylander all season, I, I really don't see that happening. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Monday, August 17th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and as always, be sure to subscribe and follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out every day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news from all 16 teams in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. As always, I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thank you again for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.